0: In the day one hundred sixty-three, of shaped by the word, season two, the drama of Scripture. Uh, we're reading in Second Samuel, and we come to one of the most formative passages in all of Scripture: uh, God's covenant with David. And of course, this covenant, like the Abrahamic covenant, uh, like the Mosaic covenant, will ultimately be fulfilled in the person of Christ. But this gives us a beautiful picture of uh, our King and, and our Lord, and the one who reigns on the throne. Uh, before whom and through whom we all live. So we come to 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm Paul Camp here with Matt Kresge, David Keefe, and Katie Kresge. Uh, before we read, we we pause. And the reason we pause is it's just a holy moment. Uh, God has enabled us to worship, as we talked about yesterday through song and through dance, but he's also enabled to worship by Beholding beautiful things from his law and allowing those things to lead us into a deeper heart affection for him and, and a deeper a character you know that reflects his heart and his character, so yeah, I pause and ask him to do his work in us through his word. Katie, do you mind lifting us up yeah. before we read
1: father we uh, we offer you this moment, and we ask that you would. Uh, you would reveal more and more of your heart towards us um, through this passage of your word. And um, as we engage with it, as we meditate on it, Father, that you would use it um, to speak to us and to change our hearts, Holy Spirit. Um, Would you focus our minds and our hearts on um, the words of the page, but also the meaning, uh, what it means to us today today, and what it meant for your people, um, that it pointed us and points us all toward um, a better David, um, towards a wonderful covenant that's been made for us um, in Jesus. So, thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you've revealed yourself to us in Scripture. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Second Samuel <clears throat> chapter seven. <laughs> After the king had settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in the house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling, wherever I have moved with all the Israelites that I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pastor from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I'll make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I'll provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since that time. I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I'll also give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest, with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I'll punish, punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, and I him before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all these words of this entire revelation. And then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? As if this were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you've also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And in his decree, Sovereign Lord, this is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, Sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, Sovereign Lord, there is no one like you and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth, God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You've established your people, Israel, as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made uh, concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promise, so that your name will be great forever. And then people will say, The Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. And what a remarkable moment. Of course, David begins by looking at all the glory uh, that he has accumulated and he has established for himself. He has built a house for himself, and he's looking at the cedar paneling in his house, uh, which uh, would have been extraordinary. And then he looks down from his courtyard and he sees the tent uh, that God has been, you know, establishing his presence in for, you know, 400 years. And it's kind of a crazy in a just position. The king is living in a nice house and God is dwelling in a tent. Uh, and so maybe even a little bit of guilt, he says, at least God's house ought to be as good, you know, as my house. Uh, but God has another thing in mind altogether. He's not concerned whether there is peeling of cedar or whether he's dwelling in a tent. He is concerned that his, his name is honored and so he blesses you know David in this incredible way which of course leads to to Christ Jesus call this the davidic covenant uh, the old testament you know covenants that we look at of course are uh you know the abrahamic covenant the mosaic covenant here the davidic covenant and there'll be the new covenant uh which will also spring out of this all of which are fulfilled in Christ
1: I feel like it's um a little bit maybe maybe god thought it was a little cute that david wanted to build <laughs> maybe think david felt a little guilty about where um god was quote living or dwelling because really i mean we know that um that not even the temple can can um hold the robe right Right what is what's the wording gosh I'm totally messing it up <laughs> Isaiah 6 Yes what and does it say The train of his robe the temple Thank you Thank yes. you the train of his robe just the train of his robe fills the temple right and that's just a picture of his glory cannot be contained yeah. and so really truly I mean God's glory is so so far beyond any sort of temple that David could possibly build and of course Solomon eventually builds for God but um so I just thought that was kind of yeah. ironic. And, of
0: course, Solomon will even express mm. uh, the entire earth as your footstool. Exactly. Uh, how can this you know, temple contain you, much less the entire, uh, the entire universe? And, and so what you see both in you know, tabernacle and in temple, and, of course, in, in the Garden of Eden even before that, is God's uh, desire to be, be intimately involved you know, with his creation and mm-hmm. to be among his people and uh this is the the symbol of his 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 presence
2: yeah. sure so that's one of the things i love in in this chapter is just the emphasis on god's presence being with his people you know even when he says when i rescued the people out of egypt i moved place to place with them mm-hmm. you know it's it, it, it just that that emphasis that continued emphasis that god will be with his people and then you get that covenant language yeah. you know where he says mm-hmm. that you know i will be their god and they will be my people and and again that's and just that heart yeah you, know, you led a development oh. class on the relational presence of God and just His heart towards us is to be a God who is again with present his
0: with us. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, there's your tent and here's my tent. I'm right there in the middle of you. And then, of course, you have you know beautifully, uh, you know when uh, you know uh, John describes who Jesus is, he said in the Word became flesh and He uh, built His tabernacle or placed His tent among us or He made His dwelling among us. And mm-hmm. it's that Old Testament picture right there, is where we've pitched all of our tents, and he's pitched his tent right in the middle of us, sharing his experience and his presence, sharing our experience with his presence, you know, with us—a holy presence, mm-hmm. you know, requiring in the Old Testament some distance and some caution, mm-hmm. you know, as we have learned. But nevertheless, a, an intimate presence—presence presence to bless, as he blessed open Edom; a presence to judge, as he, you know, judged uh, Uzzah. Uh, but a presence, uh, nonetheless, to draw his people into covenant with him. Mm-hmm.
3: No, and even we're looking at verse thirteen, just really stood out to me as you know he's speaking about this uh, this kingdom that he would establish, and then he says, you "No, know, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever." And as you've already alluded to, Paul, you know, obviously this this throne and, and kingdom and, and reigning, you know, points us to Christ and it points us to the true king who will reign forever and and how when when he does begin you know after his resurrection the, you know we see that this temple is not just the, this this building anymore but it's this living temple right it's this this people that he's building and you know I think Ephesians tells us that you know he's be he's building together these people who and and now God's dwelling is, is in them through his through his spirit so we see God you know dwelling here in the temple but then one day he'll dwell in and his people, the the living temple, you know, through his spirit, which yeah. is just crazy to think <clears throat> about.
0: Of course, you have as you often do in um, Old Testament prophecy a uh, near and a and mm-hmm. a far you know, fulfillment of this. And the near fulfillment would be Solomon mm-hmm. uh, building an incredibly glorious temple. Uh, you know, in which God uh, in his glory will settle on and the cloud will be. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. So <laughs> uh, they can't even perform the temple duties for seven days because the presence of the Lord has settled so visibly on this. And, of course, in Ezekiel, you'll see God's glory leaving uh, the temple. And then you'll see Jesus You know, ask, uh, you know, what sign will you give us? And he said, destroy this temple, speaking of his body. Which is uh, beautiful, the dwelling place of God among his people is in the person of Jesus at that moment. now it is among his church you know by his by his holy spirit. so one is building a physical house and the other is building a spiritual house, mm. and that'll be the person of Jesus. I like you know the reference uh, i 'll be a father to him, and he 'll be a son you know to me, of course, is what we hear at Jesus in mm. you know, a baptism. this is my son, the one in whom I 'm very pleased. Mm. Uh, but then you also have if he if he gets out of line, I'm going to bring him back into line mm-hmm. with the rod of men and the floggings Even of floggings. men, yeah. and, and of course the true son of David received uh, floggings of men, but not for his for his uh, his sin, but for our sin. Mm-hmm. And so there's a beautiful picture here: the flogging of men, not uh, for his sake, but for our sake. He bore. Our sins and took our infirmities on him by his stripes. We have become. I was
1: about to say Isaiah the suffering servant. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to
2: overstate just how important this passage
1: is. We should is.
0: stop and recognize how Isaiah <laughs> heavy Katie has been this morning, which is I'm, always. I'm a
1: long. fan. Just yeah. to, uh, We're studying it in, in community uh, group too.
2: <laughs> it's just, yeah, hard to overstate how important this passage is for the, the rest of scripture and, and really even what we understand now. You know, the, as we think back on just what does it mean to be God's people and, and to, to live in light of the new covenant, you know, we re- begin to realize like just how central the Davidic covenant is to to our salvation. And that's where you even get the question, you know, just those hopes and those anticipations of the Messiah and the, the anointed one, the one who would come from the line of David, you know, when Jesus does finally come on the scene, there's so many expectations wrapped up on who he ought to be or who he should be, or mm-hmm. even his disciples. At this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, the, there's so many, and yet what we see here is, as we're reading it, is just man. Jesus is the fulfillment of this Davidic covenant, and and, and the hopes
0: are nationalistic, yeah. you know, rather than uh, <clears throat> deeply, you know, personal. Mm-hmm. In other words, the work of God. You know, we want him to, you know, change our circumstances and to. uh, enhance our position uh, and our power uh, whether his heart is to change our hearts and and that's where the work of God begins and the restoration of God begins with his people with a new heart, a new Mm -hmm. spirit I know we're
1: almost out of time but that that thought really did make me think of when God says I'll even give you rest from your enemies and how you know, maybe even in, when Jesus came, people were longing for that rest from their enemies, but they were getting a bigger rest from a bigger the, the enemy. enemy mm-hmm. You know, Um so that's the only thought I had. Well, that's Totally
0: worth it, though, right? Do you have an Isaiah reference that you can bring <laughs> um, in Um <you> know, <laughs> round that off in a beautiful Probably way? Not. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt. And I, I love you verse 21 in David's prayer. and. And I love a couple of things about you know David's prayer in response to this. He's saying, because you have promised, I have been emboldened to pray. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that is where we are emboldened to pray as That's well, right. because we have the precious promises uh, you know, of, of our, our Lord. And he's also said, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done great things. And, and of course, God will always uh, act for his, for his glory, and his glory is always for our good and for our joy. As part of it, Matt, do you mind uh, closing us with a word of prayer?
2: Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do pray along with David. Um, you are the sovereign Lord, the one who is over all things, and and Father, we we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the Davidic covenant and the reminder um, to us that that in Christ Jesus um, the kingdom has been established forever. That He is the one who sits on the throne. He is the one who rules and reigns over all things and. And he is the head of the church, and so Father, as we consider um, just how how incredible this reality is for for us as your people, would our hearts be emboldened to to go before you to sit to enjoy you to to pray? Uh, Father, would you um, stir in us a uh, a deep heart for the things of you and and give us an affection for you and father would that spill out into our relationships with others um, today Uh, father help us to be your people and to glorify you and worship you it's in christ's name we pray amen Mm -hmm.